You're listening to audio from Shandon Baptist Church. If you'd like to check out more resources from us, please visit our website at shandon.org. encourage you now to grab your Bible. We're going to be in Luke chapter 5 and we're stepping into a passage of scripture that we've been looking at for the last few weeks. We're going to pick up right where we left off last Sunday. And so today we'll begin in Luke chapter 5 verse 17. As you're turning there though, I do want to let you know of some things that are happening in the life of our church as we continue to walk through this regathering plan. We're entering into phase two of our regathering plan over the next couple of weeks. But before I even tell you about that, I want you to know God has answered a prayer that our leadership has been praying since this this whole time of uncertainty began back in the spring. And the prayer that we've been praying is, Lord, show us how to love our community in the midst of this very strange and challenging time. Show us how we can be an example of the gospel, perhaps in ways that we've never even considered. Open the door for us to, to love on our community and God has done exactly that. And so we have an incredible God-given opportunity for such a time as this to partner with one of our local elementary schools through the Richland 2 School District, Jackson Creek Elementary School. And we are going to provide an e-learning center here at Shandon for kids who are in the middle of virtual school and don't have Wi-Fi or don't have a place where they can go to a safe environment to engage with their schoolwork. And so God has done an incredible work opening this door. And we are excited that beginning the week of September 8th, two days a week, pretty much all day long in the normal school hour time frame, we're going to have kids from Jackson Creek, uh, from this under underprivileged neighborhood and school coming to Shandon to learn to do their schoolwork. We're going to provide lunch for them. We're going to have the opportunity to share the love of Jesus with them. It really is an incredible God-given opportunity. And we'd love, yeah, you can, you can clap for that. It's awesome. It is awesome. It's such a cool, cool opportunity and definitely one of those things that we never would have even thought about or considered at the beginning of this year. But God has opened the door. And you may want to be involved in that. We certainly need volunteers who are willing to serve, to to serve lunches, to to help in some of the classrooms, to just be there as a presence of, of grace and kindness to these kids. And so if you'd like to serve, it's Tuesdays and Thursdays, and we're going to have lots of volunteers involved in this. You can text the word serve to the number on your screen. You can find out more information today in the lobby here. You can go online to shandon.org slash serve and all the details are there. We'd love to have you plug in. The second thing I want you to know in phase two of our regathering plan here at Shandon is that we are getting ready and gearing up for children's ministry to come back online on Sunday mornings. And so beginning September the 13th, just a couple of weeks from now, we're gonna have our our children's ministry, Shandon Kids is gonna be back in action, babies through fifth grade at the nine o'clock hour only. And we know that that means for some of y'all, it may mean moving hours to come to the nine o'clock hour so that your kids can be in the children's ministry. It may mean if you're watching online, this is an opportunity for you to come back for the first time because we realize many people have not felt comfortable coming back yet because what are their kids going to do in the service? And so September the 13th, we'll, we'll be back in action. And again, we'd love to have you involved with us. Some of you have served in our children's ministry in the past. Some of you may never have done that, but this is the time. 
And we need your help and we'd love for you to plug in. So again, there's info about that in the lobby as well. You can find that online on our website as well. And we'd love to have you step in with us in this exciting opportunity to re-engage even more in the ministry that God has put before us. Let's now turn our attention to Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 17. And I would like to invite you to stand with me as I read from the Word of God this morning. And if you're new to Shandon or if you are watching this online right now and you wonder why are people standing around the room, well, the reason we do this is so that we all can be reminded the Word of God is what we just sang about, the firm foundation that the people of God stand upon. The word of God reveals to us what God says is right and good and true. So we stand to be reminded the word is our authority, the word is our foundation, and we believe and we respect and revere the word of God. So this is what the scripture says in Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 17. On one of those days, as he was teaching, talking of Jesus, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing uh, on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and they let down him with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? For who can forgive sins but God alone. Would you pray with me as we consider this very, very important encounter with Jesus that the word of God reveals. Let's pray. Fathers, we stand before you now and as we come before you in this time of considering your word, I pray in the power of your spirit that we would receive what it is that you want us to receive today. We're all walking through many different experiences in our personal stories right now. We're all at different places on this journey of faith. And Lord, we need to hear from you. And so I pray that in this time that that you have set apart for us to, to dive into your word, I pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes, that you would open our ears, and most importantly, that you would open our hearts to receive that which you have for us. We commit this time to you. We need to hear from you. So have your way among us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. I want to start by putting a picture up here of the entertainment duo, the magicians. You may have heard their name, Penn and Teller. Anybody ever heard of Penn and Teller, maybe? Okay. They've done a lot of different shows. They've they've had a long-running show in Las Vegas. They've been on TV in a bunch of different shows. And Penn and Teller have a very interesting act with with what they do, interacting with one another. The the taller uh, of the two in this duo is Penn Jillette right here. And Penn Jillette is a very outspoken atheist. And a couple of years ago, 
He posted a video on social media that got a lot of people's attention, especially in the religious community. And in this video, he just shared a personal story just to the camera, just him talking about an interaction that he had with someone who had attended one of their shows and came up to him after the show wanting to have a conversation. It turns out this man who wanted to come and talk to Penn was a Christian. And he said, I've brought you a gift. I want you to know I really appreciate your show, really appreciate uh, what you're doing. And I want you to know I've got this for you. And it was a Bible. He said, I've written a personal note in the front of the Bible. I just thought it might be something that you might want to consider at some point. And so he, he handed this Bible to this, this famous entertainer, Penn who is a, a known outspoken atheist. And you might think that Penn had gone on to social media to, to rant and rave about this, this Christian who had the nerve to give him a Bible. How dare you come up to me and give me a Bible? You know, I'm an atheist. That's actually not what happened at all. In fact, Penn had a very different response to the gift that he had received. And he was talking about it in this video. And I want to quote to you now what he said. We'll put this up on the screen. He said, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe there is a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward, how much do you have to hate somebody not or to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate someone to believe everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? Now again, he's a known atheist. He says, I know there's no God, And one polite person living his life right doesn't change that. I still think religion does a lot of bad stuff. But man, that was a good man who gave me that book. That's all I wanted to say. How much do you have to hate someone to believe there is a heaven and hell and not tell people about this? Quoted from an atheist. How much do you have to hate someone to believe that there is eternal life and there is a path to that eternal life through Jesus Christ and not tell people about it? According to an atheist. The question that I have been praying about this week that I hope and pray we wrestle with today in this text is simply this. Are we willing to do whatever it takes to get people in front of Jesus? Do we truly believe that the gospel is real? Do we truly believe that Christ has made a way for sinners like you and me to be right with God when there is no way that we could do that for ourselves? Are we willing to do whatever it takes to get the message of the gospel to those who need to hear the good news of what Christ has done? Luke chapter 5 is a story here in verses 17 through 26 
of four men who have a friend that they passionately believe needs to get in front of Jesus. They're going to do whatever it takes to get their friend in front of Jesus because they believe that Jesus has exactly what their friend needs. But obviously the scripture shows us this is not a simple task. Their friend is paralyzed. And to even get him in proximity uh, in front of Jesus, they have to physically carry him on a mat. That's not an easy ordeal. But then they get to the house where Jesus is teaching and the house is crowded and there's no space for them to, to step into that scene. And so they, they have to go up on the roof, but that does not deter them. They, they climb up onto the roof with their friend on this mat and they begin to, to tear the roof apart. Now, it's interesting to me what the scripture reveals in this story, in this scene, and what the scripture leaves out. I mean, what was it like for those who were sitting in the house when all of a sudden the roof is being torn apart right above their heads? And what did Jesus do? He's teaching a house full of people and all of a sudden the, the show Fixer Upper starts and Demo Day is happening right on top of them even though no one asked them to do demolition. But Jesus doesn't tell the men to stop. In fact, I believe based on the interaction that we see in this story that Jesus realized and Jesus recognized that the people in the room needed to be disturbed. The people in the room needed to be disrupted. The people in the room needed to feel some uncomfortable tension so that they could see the heart of Jesus on display. Why do I say that? Well, look back at the scripture because we see who the people in the room are in Luke chapter 5, verse 17. We just read it, but it's easy to kind of blow right past this detail. Look at what the scripture reveals. Luke 5, 17. On one of those days as he was teaching, who is it? Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Luke is setting the scene here and he wants us to understand as Jesus is teaching this crowd of people, this is not just a random crowd of people. This is not just people from the village around this house. No, these are religious leaders, religious people from all around the region who have come to listen to Jesus teach. Why have they come? They have not come because they personally believe they have a need for Jesus. They have come because Jesus is messing with their agenda. And they want to figure out, is there a way that we can discredit Jesus and get him off the scene altogether? Because right now, Jesus is infringing on our territory. And we don't like what we're hearing coming out of Jesus. And so the religious leaders have gathered to, to really be investigative journalists to try and put Jesus to the test based on what he is teaching. They have been threatened by who Jesus is and why he came. 
And so the scripture continues. It says, verse 18 and 19 of Luke 5, Behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. Don't, don't switch this yet. But finding no way to bring him in. Stop right there. These men have a friend who needs to see Jesus. These men have a friend that they want to get in front of Jesus, but they come to where Jesus is teaching as it's crowded with people who are religious and there's no way to get their friend in front of Jesus. Let's go to the next screen. Because of the crowd, they went up on the roof they let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. These are sobering verses. I mean, certainly you would think as we gather for church in this room or online, if, if there's someone that, that needs to get in front of Jesus, well, all the religious people would say, hey, hey, have my seat. No, let me get out of the way. My agenda is not what's most important. What is most important is that someone who is lost would get in front of Jesus, that someone who needs Jesus would get in front of Jesus. But that's not what happens at all. No, the religious leaders say, um, we got here first. This is my seat. No, 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 I, I, I need to be here because I need to make sure that I can find a way to push my agenda forward. Right now, Jesus is kind of messing with the way things are and I don't really like it and Jesus is a little too friendly with sinners and I don't really like it and, and Jesus is saying some things that I haven't heard before and I don't really like it and so I need to be right here in my spot. I don't care about your need. I don't care who you are. I don't even care about your story. This is my seat. I'm not moving. And then a divine disruption shakes the whole house. Because these men are so passionate about their friend seeing Jesus that they're willing to do whatever it takes. They climb up on the roof, a great effort to themselves to do this. They start to tear off pieces of the roof, dirt, wood, sticks, falls into the room of this crowd of religious people and they lower their friend down so that he can be in front of Jesus. They do whatever it takes to get someone who needs to see Jesus in front of Jesus. Who are you more like in this story? As I've been wrestling with these verses this week in preparation and thinking about, okay, so what is it that prevents someone from doing whatever it takes to put someone in front of Jesus? If they call themselves a Christian, if I call myself a Christian, what is it that prevents me? What is it that might prevent you from doing whatever it takes to get someone in front of Jesus that you know needs to see Jesus? What is it? I wrote down three simple questions. 
The first question is simply this. Do we lack love? Do we lack love? Maybe we get to the place where we look at those who are lost and we start to view them as the enemy. We look at the way the lost are living and we say, look how dark that is. Look how dirty that is. Look how sinful that is. They're the bad guys. And we forget that the lost are actually the mission of Jesus. There's another story where Jesus interacts with a known sinner in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, a very famous story. As Jesus interacts with Zacchaeus, the wee little man, the wee little man was he. You remember this story? What does it say at the end of Luke 19.10, the end of this story? Jesus says, as he interacts with Zacchaeus, for the Son of Man came, why? To seek and save the lost. Jesus loves the lost. Do we? Or do we view those who are far from God as the enemy? A second question that may prevent us from doing whatever it takes to get someone in front of Jesus is simply this. Do we lack conviction that Jesus can truly save someone who is lost? Have you ever found yourself talking about someone or thinking someone that, about someone that you know that is far from God and just kind of concluding, you may not say it out loud, but just concluding, they're a lost cause. No, no, they've lived too wild. They've lived too dark. They've lived too dirty. There's no way that they could be saved. There's no hope for them. You may not say that, but many times our actions actually show that. The Apostle Paul wanted it to be very clear to the people of God that there's no such thing as a lost cause in the sight of God. There's no sin or story that is too dirty that there is no hope of salvation. And the reason the Apostle Paul was passionate about this is because he had experienced it in his own story. We turn your attention to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. Paul writes, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Not partial acceptance, not just a little bit of acceptance, but full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost, Paul writes. But I receive mercy for this reason. That in me, as the foremost sinner, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. The Apostle Paul is saying, I want you to hear this clearly. The gift of salvation is available to all. This is deserving of full acceptance. The reason Christ came was to save sinners from the consequences and the punishment and what is deserved for their sin eternally. And Paul says, I know, I know that this gospel is true because I'm the chief of all sinners. Paul was a persecutor of the church. 
He was trying to do everything he could to kill the church and to erase the name of Jesus. And he had an encounter with the Savior that changed his story. And saying, God saved me to show his mercy and his patience to those who would believe, but those who've had a very difficult story and think there's no way that I could be saved. Paul says, no, 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 look at my story. If I can be saved, anyone can be saved. Do we believe that? Do we believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ can truly save someone who is lost? A third question I thought about very simply is, do we just lack faith? Do we lack the faith to take a risk to share what we believe is the good news? Do we lack the faith to put our reputation on the line with someone we say we care about to tell them something that might be a little awkward for them to hear? Do we lack the faith that says, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get someone that I know needs to see Jesus in front of Jesus? Do we just simply lack the faith? For what we see in these four men in Luke chapter 5 is they have faith believing that if their friend gets in front of Jesus, their friend's story will change. And they are willing to do whatever it takes to carry their friend, to climb onto a roof, to tear a hole in the roof, to, to risk all their reputation, to lower their friend down, disrupting everything that's going on in this religious room so that their friend can get in front of Jesus. Do we truly believe that the gospel has the power to change a story? Let's step back into the scripture where we left off, Luke chapter 5, verse 21 and following to the end of this scene. It says, The scribes and the Pharisees begin to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven you or to say, rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been laying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all. And they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. Oh, how I love this story. The power of God is on display in Jesus as he offers forgiveness to this man who is paralyzed on this mat. And yet... As the power of God is on Jesus and on display through Jesus. And as Luke says in verse 18, the power to heal was with him. Even as all this is playing out, the religious leaders are going, no, 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 no. You can't do that for only God can forgive sins. And they were absolutely right. 
And Jesus is using this divine disruption, this uncomfortable tension to show this room full of religious leaders, I am God. I have the authority to forgive sin. This is why I came. You are hopeless and helpless unless you receive forgiveness from me. But I know you don't believe it right now. And so I'm going to show you that I have authority over all things so that you will recognize that what I'm saying is true. Man, get up and walk. For to get up and walk is no big deal compared to offering forgiveness for sins to the world. So get up and walk. And let everyone see the power of God on display so that they will then understand the only way for sins to be forgiven is for God to forgive. They say they believe that and God is right here in front of them. This man is brought before Jesus and everything in his story changes. So here's how I want to conclude today. We'll wrap this up. I just want to ask you to consider for a moment, where do you see yourself in this story today? Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26, the paralyzed man brought by four friends to a crowded house of religious leaders. Who are you in this story? Maybe today as you join into this service or as you're listening to this online, you recognize in a moment of honesty that you really are most like the paralyzed man on the mat. You need a miracle. You need to have an encounter with the power of God that can change your story. You need to have an encounter with the gift of salvation that can change who you are because of what Christ has done. And the same Jesus who forgave this man on the mat and healed him of his paralysis, please don't miss this, is pursuing you right now with his love and grace. He wants you to know that you can have a new story if you will trust him and if you will receive the gift of salvation. Maybe that's you today. But maybe if you're gut level honest, and this is really going to be challenging for some, because Pharisees don't want to admit that they're Pharisees. But if you're truly honest, maybe today you recognize you are most like the Pharisees and you're very uncomfortable around the lost. The Pharisees don't want to be inconvenienced by the lost. The Pharisees actually become a barrier to the mission and agenda of Jesus because they have their own mission and agenda that is all about what they want instead about what matters to the heart of Jesus. It may be tough for you to admit it, but maybe... In a moment of honesty, you say, you know what, I'm more like the Pharisees than anyone else in this story. Please hear me, Pharisees. The only hope for you is the same as the only hope for the man who needs salvation. The only hope for a Pharisee is to repent 
to acknowledge your sin and to return to what matters most to the Savior. Maybe that's you today. Or perhaps today you look at this story and you recognize that there is a passion in your heart for those that you know who are lost to get in front of Jesus. Maybe your life has been so transformed by the the beautiful gift of the gospel that you say, I want my life to make an impact. I want my life to make a difference. I want to do whatever it takes to get people in front of Jesus. I know that's many of you here today. And if that's you today, you say, I want to do whatever it takes, like these four friends of the paralyzed man, to get people in front of Jesus. I I want to issue a challenge to you for this week. Very simple challenge, but I hope and pray it will be a personal challenge. Just write down this statement or take a picture of it with your phone. And consider this statement and ask God to show you how you can live this statement this week. This week, I will blank. I will pray for every day. I will invite someone to coffee. I will call a friend and tell them the good news of the gospel. I will, I will write a letter to someone that, that's been on my heart. This week, I will blank to get blank. Whoever that person may be in front of Jesus. Will you do whatever it takes? Will you live the mission? Will you point to the good news of the gospel? Will you share what Christ has done for you with someone who needs to hear it? Will you pray for someone who is hurting and and longing for hope? Will, Will you do whatever it takes to point to the good news of what Christ has done? This week I will blank for blank to get in front of Jesus. And let's pray that God would use a step of faith in our lives to point people to the good news of what Christ has done. For you see, the good news is the saving part is not up to us at all. It is God alone who can forgive sins. It is God alone who can save. But the beautiful invitation is God invites his people to be a part of what he is doing. And he invites us to get people in front of Jesus. So let's get people in front of Jesus and let's see how stories might change. Would you commit to that this week? Let me pray for us as we close this message and prepare to sing a final song of worship together in response to what God has revealed. Father God, this passage of scripture is so beautiful. It's such an incredible gift to see life change on display, to to see the power of healing in in the words of Jesus, to, to see the gift of salvation that is offered through Jesus Christ. Lord, we celebrate stories of life change. And we're so thankful for the gift of this story. But Lord, this story is also tremendously challenging. And so I pray, Lord, that we would be honest today with where we are in this story. And if we recognize we are the one that needs the Savior right now for the gift of salvation, that today would be the day that we would step out on faith and say, Jesus, I am ready to follow you. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I am ready for a new story. 
in the gift of your love and grace. Father, if we look at this story and we realize we are more like the Pharisees than we want to admit, I pray that today would be a day of holy repentance. That we would recognize you have invited us into something so much greater than pushing our own agenda. You have invited us into something eternal. And I pray, Lord God, that we would not be a barrier to the mission in the heart of Jesus, but that we would be actively involved with the mission in the heart of Jesus. So Lord, open our eyes to see what we need to see, to confess what we need to confess, to to repent of what we need to repent of for your glory. And Lord, as we begin to think about and pray about those in our life that we know need to get in front of Jesus, I pray that you would give us the faith to do whatever it takes, believing you are the God who saves. Would you use us this week? Would you open the door this week for us to take a very intentional step to share the good news of the gospel with someone that we know needs to get in front of Jesus? We pray that lives and stories would change as you use your people for your glory. Thank you for inviting us into something that is so much greater than ourselves. Give us the faith to live what we say we believe. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.